Hi, my name is Sam Civarella and I'm the Artistic Associate at It's Personal. Today, I'm going to be talking to executive producer of It's Personal and executive producer of It's Personal, the podcast, Max Kirkham. We're going to be discussing his performance from our survival show back in May 2020. Max is going to be talking about a whole lot of stuff he survived and how he has thrived ever since. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Let's get personal. Survival is walking into the room where you put your backpack. At the first and only pool party you were ever invited to in elementary school to find two of your classmates playing monkey in the middle with your underwear. Survival is going back to school the next day. And the next day. And every day after that. But survival was before that too. It didn't start that day. You see, survival was a childhood filled with mean kids and gifted programs, close family and cousins who are more like siblings. Survival is kids who are your friend when no one is watching, and it is kids who are your friend only when no one is watching. Survival is anger born out of a frustration you don't have words for. It's acting out and finding yourself in detention with the principal. It's starting therapy in elementary school because you wrote about wanting to die on the chalkboard. But survival was also the chamber singers, a traveling show choir at my elementary school that took us to high school competitions where we won every award. Survival was a high bar set at a young age combined with ADHD that went undiagnosed until after college and survival was realizing that that explained a lot. You see, survival was high intelligence, and good work, uh, but no idea how to sit still or keep quiet, and sometimes no idea how to get started or how to finish or how to do that part in the middle. <laughs> Survival was A's for the work, F's for the conduct, and timeout so often it practically became my assigned seat. Hell, for nap time in preschool, I was literally put in the closet. You see, Survival was learning how to not say the wrong thing or one thing too many and never quite getting it right. Survival was knowing that sometimes it was hard to be my friend, uh, but not knowing why or how to change. But then survival was sleepaway camp in the Pocono Mountains and Temple Bethor in Miami, my Jewish community. Survival was time in nature real friends and my first gay people at Camp JRF. Survival was a window into another world where married lesbian rabbis led me in Shabbat prayer. Oh, survival was escaping Miami. Oh my God, survival was escaping Miami in ninth grade for Rome, Italy, and also leaving it 14 months later for Cary, North Carolina. Survival was pizza rosso and mozzarella di bufala nella piazza del popolo. It was four high schools and constant reinvention and being the new kid cast as a lead in the musical at the fourth one and being popular for the first time in junior year. But even then, survival was a physics teacher 
who made fun of me every day in front of the entire class and a math teacher who made fun of me every day in front of the entire class and how they reminded me of the journalism teacher in middle school who told me my name reminded her of maxi pads in front of the entire class. Survival was coming out and losing 80 pounds at 18, appendicitis at 21, my first boyfriend, boyfriend uh, at 22 and not knowing how to get a relationship past four months to this day. Survival was chasing a dream to Los Angeles with its wild bounty of nature and opportunity and survival is anonymous meetings that help you see the forest for the trees. It's knowing that small pains are magnified when they're all felt together and that there's so much more to say. It's finally knowing that I am beautiful and saying it out loud. And these days, it's standing knee deep at the shoreline and no longer neck deep treading water. And that feels like progress to me. Hashkivenu Adonai, Eloheinu Leshalom, Nahamidenu Malkeinu Lechaim. Everything's gonna be alright. Everything's gonna be alright. Hi, Max. Hi, Sam. How's it going? It's good. How are you? I'm so excited. I mean, I don't know if anybody out there listening knows, but Max is pretty much the our, you know, the king of our podcast. He makes he <laughs> makes it happen. I'll take the term producer. Thank you. Producer works too. Producer works too. Sorry, I've been watching The Crown. So oh, okay. It's, very, Fair it's all about the monarchy. I'll take. Right you know now. what? I'll take Duke. Oh, Duke, Duke of the Pod. I just think Liz and Riley should have the queen, the you know, the... Sure, sure. If we're really going to actually do it in the monarch, mm-hmm, you know, hierarchy. Sure, yeah. um, I love Duke <laughs> of the Pod. So, Max, this is an interesting episode because mm. this is our survival show, and mm-hmm. it was our first show that we did in quarantine. Yeah. And you were the first story to go up for yeah. this. So what was it? Uh, you had done a live It's Personal show before, correct? Yes. Gross. I was in the Gross show uh, talking about cucumbers. Okay. <laughs> I... And my intense hatred of them. And please refer back to podcast episode... It's like three or four. Three or four uh, yeah. to hear about Max's distaste, uh, <laughs> repulsion to cucumbers. It's actually mm-hmm. very, very funny. <laughs> well, thank um, you. Uh, so you had done that. What was it like preparing for a virtual show? You know, it was, uh, in many ways, it was the same. Uh, My writing process is usually like I uh, will um, uh, procrastinate, 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 and then inspiration will hit and I will end up, usually I speak the first draft into the notes app on my phone um, because my brain and mouth will work faster than my fingers can type. Um, and then I will kind of edit it down from there. Um, I think really if there was any big difference in preparing for this show, I think is there was no activity to prepare. 
And so I'm not really one that like has to worry about when I'm speaking, like my hands doing something or like moving or fidgeting or stuff like that. Uh, four years of show choir in elementary school kind of broke me of all of those bad habits. Um, oh yeah, if you didn't know, I was in a uh, championship show choir when I was in elementary school. We would go to high school competitions and win grand prize every time. Yes! I think it, it just, uh, it, it was just not being in a group that was the big difference, you know? Like not having that kind of like shared experience of being in rehearsal, which I think anyone who does theater, I mean, kind of like lives for that kind of creative space, that safe space. Um, and then a lot of the... Um, a lot of the work with Liz and Riley was the same. I mean, you know, it was jumping on and, you know, Liz and Riley are really good at saying, well, you know, I see where, I see where you're going, but like, is this too far? Like, are you getting away from your central, your central piece? Because this, this piece was, I think, I think in the end it was like five, six minutes. And when I first wrote it, it was like eight or nine minutes. So it was a, a, quite a lot of um, paring down. And for a piece like this, uh, paring down a piece like this, which was so emotional and so vulnerable, is like it, it takes the phrase "killing your darlings" to like a whole, a whole different level. Uh, it's interesting what you just so your piece. Um, you know when I it doesn't feel like it's five or six minutes is what I'm trying to get at. I think that's a testament to your the way you tell stories, but it had such a way of these peaks and these valleys through the stories where it's equal parts, super vulnerable, you know, we're, we're there with you. And then there's equal parts, like you're a Phoenix rising from the ashes. Like there's so, and, and humor, you bring humor to this piece, which I find so compelling um, because you are talking about some really, some really deep topics. So I wanted you to, if you felt comfortable enough doing so talking a little bit about how you chose these specific uh, topics that you mention in your piece. Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate you saying saying that. You know, vulnerability is. Um, I think you know you know me pretty well at this point. I'm a fairly exuberant person usually, but I'm not always a very emotional person, at least on the surface. Um, and so sharing a piece like this was um, not difficult. I think maybe if I was sharing these stories, even just five or six years ago, even before maybe I moved to Los Angeles, uh, it would have been much harder for me to share some of these things. And that was actually a question that Liz and Riley asked me at one point was like, why are you sharing these stories in particular? And why do you feel it necessary to like really kind of do this kind of like list of your, you know, bad experiences or whatever that's happened? Um, and I think the reason was like, I've worked through a lot of these things, right? And like the last part, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's one of those concepts in, in recovery. Um, and I'm not in recovery, but I have found the, the steps of recovery to be helpful in some other parts of my life. Um, and the last step in recovery is kind of like sharing it and being comfortable talking about it openly. And I kind of felt like that's where I was. Uh, was like at a point where I was ready to kind of put that stuff out there. And then also I feel like sharing these stories in particular, it was kind of like a, um, each one kind of built on each other and kind of got me to where I am now. And some of the stuff that I cut out were like little tangents that didn't necessarily contribute to the the, the growth, right? The feeling of growth that I 
went through and overcame and like the process that got me to being knee deep at the at the shoreline as opposed to neck deep at the end you know that's one that i i'll ask you about it later that is one of my favorite quotes from your piece uh and so you mentioned this like listicle idea of how you wrote it mm-hmm. um did you initially you know when you turned on your notes uh the speaker on your notes did you initially set out for this to be this kind of like da 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 because it the when you finally tell i wasn't with you in rehearsal but i know the performance aspect of it it almost had like this poetic uh, you know, flow to it. So was that your intention when you started doing this or how did that come? How did that style come to be? I don't know. You know, it, it, it's interesting because you know, I think part of it was the, the, the lyrical part of it is really, that's just how I, how I write. If things don't flow as I'm saying them, then I will rewrite them until they feel like they are flowing. And if that comes out kind of poetic, then uh, I'm grateful for that. I grew up, I, again, in show choir. I was in choirs until I was in, uh, um, until I was in high school, really, in, in the musicals in college. So, like, that's how I'm used to performing on stage, is having that kind of, like, flow. In terms of, was that my goal when I first started out? You know, I don't, was that my goal? I think I know that my goal was to share as much of the kind of pain and trials that I went through when I was growing up. I was a very unpopular kid growing up, which I know now kind of seems a little hard to imagine. But, you know, a lot of this pain sat with me for a very long time. A lot of these things that I talk about, um, and even more things that I still couldn't bring myself to put into there, uh, uh, have sat with me for, for a very long time. And one of the things, you know, it's not just about sharing so that I can be okay with it, but it's also like I see myself you know, I'm, uh, I see myself trying to get to these positions of power and influence. I see myself trying to grow, you know, projects that I want other people to invest in and find meaning and courage and purpose in. And I kind of felt like, okay, if it's, if I'm going to ask other people to be this vulnerable and to kind of like share this part of themselves, then I feel like I owe it to them to do the same thing, right? And I think that's kind of, uh, once I started listing all of the, <laughs> Once I started listing the pains from the childhood, they just kind of fell out in a way. I also haven't been to therapy in like maybe a year and a half, two years. So like, oh, no. <laughs> it might have just been a lot, bunch of repressed, uh, <laughs> repressed. It's like that first there, therapy well. session when they're like, how are you? And you're like, excuse me. And you like take out the notebook and you're like, <laughs> where do I start? Where do I begin? That's really impactful. Like I said, there's a lot of there's a lot of depth in, in these, you know, little missives. And since you listed off like all of these different events, is there one in particular that if we asked you to do and it's personal piece just based around one, is there anyone in particular you would want to expand on? I think I'd probably go more into uh, some of the stuff that happened in elementary school, because I think that really was, I mean, foundational. I think that especially. God, that moment when I went into the back room and found those two kids playing with my underwear. Like, that's the very first line of the show, I think, isn't it? Or, like, yeah. of my piece. Yeah. And and of the show, okay, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and, like, that that is a moment that has never left me, right? Like, that is... And, and those kids did not think that that's what they were doing. But that yeah. moment really, I think, kind of set, set the scene. And I think if I... Um, would do this again, I think I would talk probably about like how rough it was in elementary school because I was a very awkward 
very kind of like big kid who had a lot of fair weather friends. I, I didn't join chorus of my own volition. One of my teachers heard me singing and just like to myself and brought me to the chorus teacher who auditioned me and then said, okay, you're in. So it was like that moment that like changed my life forever. I think I'd talk more about, more about that because that really like a lot of the saving graces that I've had the, when I discovered music, when I joined theater, like even my theater story is like, I was in band, I hated my teacher. I went to my counselor and I said, I need to be out of this class. And she said, the only thing open is theater. So it's that or nothing. And that's how I got, that's literally how I got started in theater. That brings me to my, one of my favorite lines of your piece and correct me if I'm wrong, if this happened in either your like elementary school or maybe in like a high school setting, cause you kind of, you go through all the years. My, one of my favorite lines that sticks with me so hard is A's for work, F's for conduct. Mm, yeah. That is so interesting because I know you, Max the adult, and I'm like, <laughs> how did he ever get F's for conduct? Yeah. Expand on that line a little bit. Well, the 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 big thing to know is that uh, now I'm diagnosed ADD and I take ADD meds. <laughs> so they, listen, <laughs> you weren't trying to get those F's. Just, exactly. No, I, I, I was in detention in elementary school every week. I mean, it got, oh I had anger issues from my parents' divorce. I was angry because I was fat. No one wanted to be my friend. I was uh, angry because I could just couldn't figure out how to talk to people or like hold a conversation, which led me to like really being friends with all my teachers, which meant that like the barrier, and still to this day, I sometimes have this problem, like my, ba the barrier between me and authority figures where I talk personally to them, like on a first name basis, that barrier is almost non-existent. And like today it gets me, it doesn't really get me in trouble, but it's like weird when I like walk up to like a studio executive and I call him like Bill as opposed to like Mr. Whatever. And they just like, it's just like a cock of the head where it's like, okay, that's interesting. Um... Sorry, what was the question? Uh, <laughs> just like expand, because I just wanted to know more about like- Oh, the, the A's and yeah, F's. The, 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 A's, the A's to F's, that happened very specifically. The A, I got, uh, I was in a Spanish class in elementary school and because uh, I grew up in Miami, mm -hmm. so like you had to take Spanish. And um, I just would not stop talking to the teacher, to the people around me. And I got an F for conduct. I mean, it basically means like anyone who was paying attention should have gone, oh, he needs help yeah. like, and not just like oh, detention over and over again. Um, but that, uh, that was, I think the course, I mean, I graduated high school with a C, but then I graduated college magna cum laude. And it was because I was taking theater classes. I was taking classes that actually interested me, that actually challenged me intellectually. I mean, I, uh, not to brag, but I'm a pretty smart, I'm a pretty intelligent person. Mm -hmm. Most people with, a, or a lot of people with ADD are, in their own special ways. And it's just finding the right situation to put them in. And like looking back on it, if I had been diagnosed in elementary or middle school, like things, pro I imagine things would be much different. Right. I got diagnosed with ADD, um, when was it? It was uh, right before I moved to Los Angeles. I was like, if I'm moving to LA, I wanna make sure I'm set up as much as like, mm -hmm. I'm uh, as prepared as possible. That was part of the process. I was like, I need to know if this is a thing yeah. before I go. That's so interesting. I mean, children of the 90s, as mm -hmm. you and I are, 
that mm-hmm. was such like that's how they dealt with us you know they're just like <laughs> oh you're being loud go to detention like we have no time for but this. i mean it wasn't just in school like it was at torah school i was separated from the other school like training like training for my bar mitzvah i was just like what it was, like uh, it took me oh. this gentile a minute <laughs> Sorry, for those who don't know, you just learn different topics in, uh, like about Judaism and stuff until you get to like 12, 13, and then you really start learning Hebrew and all that other stuff. And even then I would be like separate, I would be sent to the library when like the rest of the class was being taught in the like the main dining room or something like that just because i would not stop talking i can just like all i'm seeing is like young max with like those giant scrolls like this is what i picture (laughs) like my catholic upbringing is like what i know about a bar mitzvah is like the scroll which is the torah right you read from the torah and you're just like angry on it you're just like i can't believe i just can't i'm in this library by myself and i have to do the torah by myself it's actually very cute and my brain what i have going Mm. is adorable i could talk to you about your entire torah school experience all day i'll send you a picture uh there's a real cute picture of me holding the torah like with my (laughs) my prayer shawl on and my very curly hair at the time and we're posting that in conjunction with (laughs) okay like that's going on the feed for instagram uh and I know you talked about it a little bit already, uh, you know, your experience with theater and chorus, but mm-hmm. was there ever a time, like, I would say outside of those extracurriculars that you do credit so much of your growth to, was there a time in your childhood where you actually did feel, like, calm and not being, like, yeah. shoved into boxes and stuff? Yeah, there, there's two, there's actually, there's two spots in particular. The first is, um, I went to a sleepaway camp called Camp JRF. Uh, JRF stands for the Jewish Reconstructionist Federation. Now the camp is named Camp Chavaya, and Chavaya in Hebrew means fun? No, work. Work? <laughs> fun? Something like that. It's no longer Camp JRF, whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, Camp JRF was like the first time that I got away from the kids who'd been like bullying and teasing me or whatever. Camp JRF was the first time where like, not only was I really able to get away from that, but like Camp JRF, which I think I talk about in the piece. Yeah was um, the first time I'd ever met married lesbian rabbis. Like, one, I really didn't even know what gay people were, which, of course, made it very difficult for me to figure out what was going on with me. But then also, um, I didn't know that gay people could get married. I didn't know that lesbians could get married. I didn't even, like, know that lesbians would want to get married. Like, I... (laughs) Right? Like, so... um, And then I think that was also the first place where, like, I really got into theater there and I really had the chance to kind of be myself. And then actually what really, I think, turned me into who I am now, I was really lucky. My parents were, my dad and stepmom worked for the government, um, or my dad has since passed. My stepmom still works for the government. Um, But at the time, my stepmom got posted uh, overseas and we lived in Italy for a year. And between moving from Miami to where we eventually ended up in North Carolina, I ended up going to four different high schools. And I was basically given the chance, the opportunity to reinvent myself four different times. And so like at the, or three different times, I guess I should say. And so each time kind of like, okay, that didn't work. Okay, well, okay, well that almost worked. And that was really well. And then also of course, being the kid who lived in Rome when you're in high school is 
I'm in. I mean, the, my one of my, I'm an Italian from New Jersey. My, I think my favorite part of your piece is when you just go full Italian, yeah. and you're like the buffalo, mozzarella, popetta. I was dead on the floor. Like you couldn't revive me. Was I was it? so. It's my favorite part. Is when you just, you're just talking completely. Pizza rosso e mozzarella di buffalo nella piazza del popolo. I think is the line. You bet. La, la mia matrina lavorata all'ambasciata americana co- per 14, 14 mesi. Sometimes I understand Italian, so it, it's I, sometimes I still dream in Italian and I'll like fully be able to speak, like and I'll understand it. And then I wake up and I'm like, well, if I could speak in Italian <laughs> in my dream. That's so funny. That's so funny. Yeah. So this is a lot about, I mean, I understand your piece is a transition like it is from you know you being very young into now but if you could tell max in grade school one thing what would you tell him you know what if i could tell if i could say one thing to a young me i think it would be uh like it, it's okay you're fine like the other kids not liking you is fine like you not being really able to understand what the other kids are doing, that's fine. Or not being able to, like, not knowing how to connect. Like, you will figure it out. I think really the message would be, like, if you're not connecting with these kids, like, there's, there might be a reason for that. And it might not be because of you. Like, it might just be because you're t- different people. And that's okay. I think that's what I do. I think I just worried so much. I really, I really like that sentiment. I feel, I feel like we when we're kids, probably wouldn't have wanted to hear, you know, it's going to be okay. But I think there's something really special about what you said. It sounded very much like what a mentor would say to somebody on on the struggle bus, so to speak. Um, and it would be nice to talk to our younger selves once in a while and be like, yo. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. My, my younger sister, um, who's very similar to me, she's 15 now. The last time I was home, which God feels like forever now, um, we were all at a sushi place for her birthday. And she was like really upset about something. And of course, like as the older brother, I'm like, there's like, what are we even upset about? There's no like, we're all just being like, and she's like that angsty teenager. And at one point, she's like, almost bawling at the table. And she goes, why can't we just be normal, a normal family? And I looked at her, I said, Veronica, what is normal? And she just burst into tears. I was like, oh, that's me. That was me when I was her age. <laughs> I love that response that you had so much. What is normal? I wish you guys could have seen how Max said that because it was really your Patty Lupone moment. Like, it really was. Like, here she is, boys, here she is, world. Um, and one final thing about your piece. Uh, the end. The end is so fun. You sing in Hebrew, and then you switch over into everything's gonna be all right. I don't speak Hebrew. What are you? What are you singing? So the Hashkivenu is a uh, a nightly prayer, and it is the prayer that you say before you go to bed. It's asking God, asking the universe to protect you as you sleep, um, and it's basically saying everything's everything's gonna be okay. You're gonna wake up in the morning. You know you're gonna. You'll, you'll be rested uh, and uh, you're going to be healed uh, as well as you sleep. And so that Hashkivenu was um, 
a song actually that I learned at camp. That re- that version of the song was something that I learned at camp and has always been, not only has always been a real comfort to me, but also actually I, uh, at the temple as well, once they learned I could sing, they were pulling me up all the time. I was in my choir temple too. I like had solos at the high holiday service and of stuff like that. Of course you did. Oh my God, my grandma, my grandma was treasurer of the temple. So oh. like for my entire <laughs> life. So like, Please. <laughs> so uh, it was like expected. Yeah, thank God we not rose, only do that. we rose up when we did. <laughs> because shunned Uh, and then one final question and i'll let you go um what's one survival tactic you've learned since being in this quarantine Mm, be in nature i've gone on three nine plus hour hikes since march it's the perfect way to kind of be out um, and not really surrounded by other people I, th- I honestly think that this would be my piece of advice if we weren't in a pandemic. Like, I think that people just need to be in nature more. And I think that it would go a long way to kind of like help people calm down if they find their way to not only nature, which of course all of us need to be more connected to, but also like you need to be in a place where your cell phone doesn't work every once in a while. You need to be in a place yeah. where you can't immediately text someone. You can't find your email. You can't go to YouTube or Instagram. You just got to be with yourself. And like, mm-hmm. if you can't be with yourself, then like you need to work to get to a place where you can be with yourself. Uh, and I feels to me like, it's like what RuPaul says, if you can't love yourself. Am I right or am I right? That's Max, it. That's it. I'm, we're ending <laughs> on that. That was, I mean, you just gave the children a lesson for the ages. <laughs> Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you of so course. much for letting me interview you and be on this side yeah. of the podcast. Uh, you I'm did excited. wonderful, honey. This. Oh my god! Oh, thank you so much. It's nothing. If not, I just need vacation <laughs> anyway. Uh, let me let All you right. go. Um, well, you have a wonderful rest of your Sunday and keep on doing those crazy hikes. Thanks, Sam. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Max. Bye. It's Personal is a live storytelling show with a twist. Join us the fourth Thursday of every month on our YouTube page to watch our performers get personal. Information on upcoming shows and tickets can be found on itspersonalonstage.com. While you're on our website, take a second to catch up with our blog. Sign up for a class or two. Invest in a membership and explore our store for the most adorable merch in town. We'll see you next week.